This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. And with me today, of course, is Hans. Hans is going with a simple blue light tonight. But we can see more of your back. We can actually see your wall now. Oh, never mind. There we go. <laughs> back to normal. Yeah. What's up? We're going to Not- talk about cinema today. We're actually talking about cinema today. We are talking about cinema. Yeah. As opposed to... I don't know. We, we do talk about cinema regularly. Um, Once upon a time, we might have talked about cinema every every right. so often. And then we got into a, a, a spell of covering comic book films and covering blockbusters and everything else under that particular banner. But now we're going to be talking about a 1983 film. We're going to be talking about Angst. I forgot the title for a second. Angry Angst, Boys. also known yeah. as Schizophrenia. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, love the it? sausages, yeah. <laughs> God. That was such a such a like jarring thing to me that you would go to a restaurant and just order what? A sausage and gr- some kind of weird gravy that didn't look like gravy uh, because it wasn't dark enough. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like light brown. And then a piece of bread, and, and you just eat the sausage like that, and a, two girls stare at you with 80s hair. Isn't that kind of every breakfast we had while shooting Mass State Lottery as we show up to a donut place or something? And it'd be a very similar experience, I think. Yeah, sausage in bread, though, not just a, No one was walking around with a, with a hog on their hand. Well, yeah, not not to eat. <laughs> but, I don't know. There were plenty yeah, of mornings uh, where Jerry wandered off and had breakfast by himself. I think I, I could imagine that. I could imagine him having that experience and being like, "Oh wow, these are New Englanders." Boston, huh? and just <laughs> yes, it's the the real Boston experience. It just clams <laughs> with gravy. <laughs> uh, so what... they, they make a they make a point of showing it twice. They, they make do. a point of showing it showing it. One... Okay, so. Angst is the story of this very weird-looking German guy in 1983. I, you you have backstory, right, on like the actual story? Because yes, I do. So, okay. well, first I was going to ask, what was your first? Because you had told me when I suggested this as a show that you had seen it once mm-hmm. before. Now I hadn't even. I, I you know what? I had seen someone's poster that they had made for this movie, maybe about four or five years ago. Just because, and it stuck out in my head because the star of this film has such a distinct face. He's a very uh, unhinged looking man he's the perfect man you would want to capture uh, on film in this specific role it's like he was made for it so I had that kind of uh, recognition with the feature but I didn't know anything about it uh, I certainly didn't know of any of the activities or the shooting style of it this was all made aware to me very recently but what was the first time you had watched Angst? Uh, when I was in film school which was what seven eight years ago already holy shit uh I uh, I found a list of like shocking films or like shocking slash, uh, you know, one of those lists where it's just a bunch of graphic movies, old graphic movies. And this one was there. Uh, and I, I just remember I downloaded it and I watched it. And it was just so weird or compared to everything that I've seen before that it always stuck in my head, at least his face. Mm-hmm. I didn't really remember much of what happens. And I didn't, rem- I, I Honestly, we remembered it being more graphic than it actually is. Uh, but, um, yeah, that was uh, like seven, eight years ago when I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's watch shocking old 
horror movies and then you realize after like the third one that they're mostly kind of not good yeah <laughs> no. like oh cool there's a movie built around this shocking one thing that happens that's great uh, but this one sticks out because i well at least this second on the second viewing i really enjoyed myself watching it yeah there's something i told myself right at the beginning of this movie where i was just like this cute little dog is going to get the worst death of that. He's going to stomp this dog out. That dog's the first one uh, to die. The dog uh, goes and meets him upstairs. I'm just like, I, I, ready. I was ready for it, you know? And uh, sausage dog. He yeah. was going to eat him. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, something really horrible is going to happen. And you know what? Knowing Austria in the early 1980s, they'll probably just actually kill the dog in the movie. Yeah. Um, Milo you. and me. You're right. right. Yeah, yeah. So oh, Milo and Otis, Milo and Otis, Milo Marley and me. Yeah. You combine that. Nah. The dog dies at the end of that. It's all. I mean, it, was, <laughs> it did happen according to the author, but it's all a work of fiction. Uh, and no, this is one of these rare early. You know, I don't even know if I'd really call this a horror film. I, I think it has horror tendencies, but it, mm-hmm. it, it falls in that same category as films like House of Jack built or. Uh, yeah. Henry Portrait of a Killer, I think, is probably the closest American comparison to this movie, Angst, mm-hmm. where it doesn't feel like true horror. And it, it is true crime, much like Henry Portrait of a Killer, which was based on uh, Henry Lee Lucas and, what's his name, Otis Toole. Otis Toole, yeah. Yeah, so this, this is a movie about an actual guy, and everything more or less follows the same uh, path that this, this movie takes. It was about a guy named Werner Niesick, who... Uh, was uh, getting ready to be abandoned by his mother because his mother was like, "This this kid's too much for me. I just can't. Sucks. I can't deal with this anymore." <laughs> and she just, I think she decided that when he was already a teenager. So imagine you've been around for like fourteen, fifteen years, and now your mother's like, "I don't want you anymore." I can't. Like she's had enough face. time to marinate on it. This is, this is a very... I don't like the way you look at me when you have sausage for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very unnerving. It's weird. Uh, and uh, when he got he, when he caught wind of this, he freaked out and stabbed her multiple times, and she lived. And he covers that. This character is like one for one with Warner Niesick. They don't ever name him. Okay. Uh, I think his IMDb credit or whatever was like the psychopath. Um, <laughs> you know, which is fine. Okay, that's correct. No, name. that's an apt yeah. name. So. He, he gets wind of that, and I guess he was originally planning to kill someone else once he got out, but he got scared away by a guard dog, and he was like, all right, I'm not going after them. Instead, he went for a house where he knew everybody who lived in the house. He was familiar with that family. I don't think there was ever, like, a friendship or anything there, but it was one of those, mm. like, you know people who you go to elementary school with, and you see them right. uh, as you grow up. You don't necessarily interact with them. I think it was one of those situations Just where, safe. right. You walk yeah. by and just like, hey, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, he he had some sort of familiarity with them uh, before committing the murders, which you don't get in this movie. It's just by right. it's literally right. the first house he stops at. He's like, all right, I guess I <laughs> I guess I live here now. And yeah. the it's like I'm full tummy, time to kill. <laughs> right. <laughs> the narration in this movie is very good too, um, mm-hmm. as far as letting you know. How he sees, because so, if you had no narration whatsoever, it would just be a manic man acting yeah. crazy and very sloppy and not knowing what his real desires are or, or understanding where he's coming from with a lot of his actions. But, um, you know, they don't try and make him this psychological mastermind. Like, I've planned everything to the hilt. This is all strategic. It's just like, oh, no, I like this house. This house is everything I could have. I was so excited about this house. 
And yeah, then, he sucks. Yeah, he he's really bad. He's horrible. He's bad at killing, yeah. Mm-hmm. He tapes a girl by her ankle and right. wrists to a door. Just weird. I don't know. Uh, and, and you never see him actually kill in like a smooth way or like in a way that you're just like, oh, this guy's done this before. Or like it looks impressive or even scary at all. He just looks sloppy. Yeah. Uh, but I think the narration added a lot because you you usually don't get the point of view of the bad guy, right, in the movie. And if you do, it's very shallow. Here you hear every single one of their thoughts, of his thoughts. And the way how he reasons his actions. So, like, when he's at that, at that restaurant and those girls look at him and he's all, like, horned up eating his sausage and he's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking get them. Like, I'm going to go talk to them. Should I go talk to them? Or how do I go talk to them? I, all right, yeah. I'm going to kill everyone in the diner here. Well, and, that's the second time, yeah. though, because the first the first time he, he's there, he's just, like, out of jail. He's talking about, like, how his clothes are out of date because he's been in jail for how, how many years and, like, I don't look cool or whatever. Like, he's very self-aware of the fact that he just got out of jail and, like, people are looking at him weirdly. When he comes back and he's done shit and he's all fucked up and sweaty, that's different. But I, I, I feel like the fact that I usually don't like narration. I feel like narration is very, it's a very cheap trick usually for, for lack of filmmaking ability. You know, oh, that's such like, a oh, film school professor. I know. Take. I, know. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but it, but it's sometimes it's like, all right, so you're just going to tell me instead of showing me. Right. But in this movie, he tells you, and then he also shows you. Mm. So I feel like it works or it didn't really feel like, like a, like a cheat. He just felt right. like, okay, so now we're going to see the, the movie on his point of view and, and he's reasoning to kill. I guess. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree at all that it's a good way to cut corners, uh, especially when you're dealing with like a noir where there's so much you have to like fill into the audience like that. That's probably where it's best used. But in this movie, you don't I mean, he's illustrating what he's doing, but he's not what he's doing is he's venting his his feelings and his thoughts that that aren't coherent. And, and well, why there, that's motivating him so it gives you a better a, yeah there's a switch right so at the beginning the first five ten minutes is a police a policeman i'm assuming reading like his rap sheet or talking about how what he's done right so yeah we hear someone else talking about him and like the things he's done and this and that and then the movie switches completely to his point of view so now we're going to learn this story from, from him so that's like a very interesting way of, of introducing story, I think, because we hear first what actually happened, and then we spend the rest of the movie just inside this character's head, who's obviously not okay. Uh, and I, I feel like also the way that is shot helps that, because even though uh, there's a lot of just very long takes where not a lot happens, and he's just maybe walking around or whatever, but I feel like that helps to get inside of his head and then once he actually goes through with the killing, which which sucks because he's so bad at it, um, you're already very invested in that story because you're following his point of view and like his thinking, or like the way that he reasons in, uh, in his own head to justify the fact that you know he's actually going to hurt strangers, you know, uh, and th- and I feel like that change of uh, instead of hearing the story coming from someone else like we did at the beginning to let's hear this maniac talk uh it's a very interesting switch that you don't really see in movies uh especially now like that's why i feel like this is more of like an experimental 
drama maybe than a horror movie uh, because of the way that the movie is presented and the way that it's shot too. Uh, it's very it's very European of the 80s, I feel like, you know, where, mm. where it's like, we're just going to leave the characters brief and this scene is going to take five minutes and nothing is going to happen. He's just going to be there, sitting there, doing something and we'll hold and see how he reacts to nothingness, you know, just to get to know a character a little bit better. Uh, you don't really see that type of patience, I guess, from directors. And maybe the fact that it, um, you told me he, the director is like a documentary director, right? Right. So this is, this is the only narrative feature that uh, Gerald Cargyle wound up uh, committing to. Uh, the rest of his movies, from what I've seen anyway, now there's a couple that are listed on Wikipedia that were not listed on IMDb that seem to be educational films or documentary. Like, the narrative medium is not his preferred choice of filmmaking style which is weird because this i mean at least for me this really worked like i really enjoyed myself watching this so you think uh that i mean i don't know how much of a hit this movie was i don't know probably it wasn't it was banned they banned it they banned it all across europe for how violent it was it's one of the video nasties i guess but I, I have no idea of how to measure the success of this movie. I think it got re-released in 2012. They might have let up on that. And I'll tell you what, you know, it's not that violent. I mean, it's pretty violent. There's some scenes where it's pretty violent, but it's not that violent overall. It's very selective in how it wants to portray the violence in this movie. And I will say what this movie does better than any movie that I've seen anyway, uh, and it wasn't necessarily believable in the lead-up, but when they go back to the body of the the girl that he kills, the young girl, uh, she looks dead for real, which I, yeah. I, I was like, whoa, okay. Well, we, we had, we <laughs> had all this was, blood and it was when a he little... he was killing her, when yeah. he was killing her, it was like, oh, oh, because I think that's the first time where we actually see violence where it's seen. Because a lot of it is just him talking and like being a weirdo, right? But I think that's the first time where we actually see him go like, all right, because before that, the whole interaction with the family was so goofy and so sloppy where he couldn't kill anyone. He couldn't even choke the old lady. So it was all very comical, uh, not on purpose, I'm sure. Uh, but when that happens and he starts like stabbing this girl, it's like, oh, oh, shit. OK, so this is the actual maniac that we haven't seen throughout the movie. Like we've heard him say things, but not none of it has been shown until this moment. Uh, so it is kind of shocking once he gets there. But I think I think that that video nasty thing probably had more to do with the way that it was presented, where it's, his attacks and everything he's thinking is glorified because he's never shown as a villain. It's just like he's telling us a story, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I, here's the thing. I think uh, Gerard Cargyle was probably thinking, well, very clearly, like nobody's going to take this guy's side, so we can do whatever. But they do portray the victims Maybe. as like, dumb weird creepy idiots which you never see so uh the first scene we get with any of those characters any of those victims is uh the retarded wheelchair bound son who goes paw paw and like a thick dumb german accent you know uh and then you get the old woman and she she's terrible she's scarier than he is especially when he's choking Mm -hmm. her she like her face you know, we'll have a thumbnail up for when this eventually goes live on YouTube, and I included her face in that. It's very Ronald McDonald-esque, very Joker. I have like it. Jack Nicholson. Let's pull this up real quick. Yeah, let me Because she's, she's terrifying, this woman. 
Uh, and yet she's got the same old appearance of like what everyone's grandma had up until 1994, 1995, big curly red hair. Uh, but he also takes so long to kill them too. I feel, I well, feel that, like that's, usually... hold on. That's realistic to, to life because the way that yeah. he tries to kill them is through strangulation. It takes a long time to strangle. A lot of people don't know this. It's difficult to kill a human being. It's very difficult to kill a human being. Especially by strangulation, you got to strangle them up to, to <laughs> up to ten minutes you know, potentially. You know what she looks like? She looks like Bella Lugosi in Plan Nine. Oh God, space. that's a, that's very apt. Yes, <laughs> and she only looks yeah, so, more and more less like less and less human the more he chokes her and as she ekes closer to death. Now he's not even trying to kill her here; he just wants to apprehend her. There you go. You get the close-ups where you can see the makeup. Different, like the layer of yeah. it on her face, zomb- starting to like crack. 80s zombie makeup. Mm-hmm. That's like very Dawn of the Dead, but not green. Yeah, <laughs> this feels like Martin versus yeah Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Oh, one of the most that. hilarious parts also is when the dog picks up her dentures and starts walking around with those fake teeth <laughs> in his mouth. God, this was I love. I love that at no point she like tries to get help from police or anything. She's just like, well, I guess I'm wrestling this guy in my house now. Right, and I mean, listen, she looks like she's about 70, 80 years old. Oh, God, terror, pure terror. If I saw that as a child, <laughs> if I saw that as a child, it would, that would have scarred, I would have been fine with the rest of the movie. That would have scarred me. It looks like um, Grandpa Munster. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this, so, this actress so... looks like she's 70 or 80, 80 years old. The woman is supposed to be 55. And the woman in real life was around 55 years of age. But, I mean, look, people did age quickly back then. Well, this whole scene, uh, 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 patreon.com slash lowerisWB. Yes, patreon.com. No, not WB. Just patreon.com slash lowerist. Five dollars. We're watching the movie right now as we talk. Join us. So so to see, like, how – because what have I shown? Like, two minutes of just him trying to, like, apprehend someone. He just sucks. He's just not – apt to it he's not strong enough he's not able to do it at all so he he like tied down that blonde girl to the to the door and then the retarded man is just upstairs somewhere like crawling or whatever but he sucks like he's not a good killer either like it would be so much easier to just make the kills or like everything he does uh faster or like easier but like he struggles with everything so it's like a, a more interesting layer of like, you know, this is this weirdo that's a serial killer, but he sucks at it. Um, but he has that itch, you know, of like, well, there are these people that I don't know have wronged me in some way. So I'm going to have to kill them, even though I have no idea how to do that efficiently. Does he express uh, that he feels they wronged him? I don't recall that. I don't know. Well, no, because when he gets into this house, it's just random, right? He just goes, he walks up to a house. Yeah. He just breaks the window when they're not there and he just gets in. By the way, how did you it. like that? How, given the property and the fact they had tunnels that went to their driveway and shit, just how empty <laughs> that house was. It was a very like uh, squatters situation where it's just a mattress yeah. on the floor. It is a pretty big house and it seems like it's a nice house. It seems like it's a very nice estate, uh, but there's nothing yeah. inside. Yeah, there's only. Hold on, let me show it. Uh, there's a bed. A bed just in the in the center of the room. <laughs> this is very, very. It feels. I know it's uh, not German. It's Austrian, right? But it feels very. Oh, is it Austrian, not German? Yes. Yes. 
sure. Hitler said the same thing. Uh, but yeah, so like, I don't know what kind of house they got to shoot this, but it doesn't like when he gets in like this, it doesn't look like it's in a house where people live even. Right. And they'd show up. But I, I guess my favorite thing about it is that usually when you have a movie about a serial killer, it's either glorified or shown as a non, or like a sloppy or, or like a, a joke, right? In this one, you have a guy that's telling you this story by narrating everything and telling you everything that he's feeling, but he also sucks at killing. So it's a more interesting narrative than just a guy that's very good at killing, like a Hannibal, you know? Where it's like, okay, this guy is interesting, but he's also very good at killing. He knows exactly how to kill people. This guy sucks at doing that, or even like fucking restraining people, he sucks at it. So that makes him like a more interesting villain, I think, than than you know, like a, a powerful killer that will be able to just, you know. Yeah, well, him. he's a wormy guy. He's a little wormy guy, I, and I believe he had hadn't killed before in the movie or in real life. Uh, this Warner Nisa character. And when he did show up at the house, uh, he did have a hard time killing them. Uh, but clearly mm-hmm. they did succumb to, to to his power, to his strength, you know. Uh, but unfortunately, here's, here's where it really differs, is in real life, they had a cat and a dog. And the cat okay. was not so lucky. The cat got it. So... Uh. They left that out. I guess they see the director. The director does have a heart. He wants to let you know he does have a heart because he leaves the dog who's traitorous. You know, at first you're like, dog, don't hang out with with the killer. Get away from the. He's going to kill you. And he's like, well, now I don't have a family. I got to have a family. now. I guess I'll just leave with you. So he he joins forces with Warner Knees. Yes, he's getting fed. (laughs) He's eating half of the sausage that he didn't eat. Uh, in his car, and then the police just shows up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- this movie's from 1983. Uh, it does, it feels like this might have inspired a lot of the films that would come out later in the decade or early in the next, or certainly around like now. Uh, people try to hit those same similar notes, but they don't seem to do it as realistically. No. And I think this captures exactly what's authentic about uh killers and serial killers and and spree killers or passion killers which is uh something we've said before i think maybe uh came up during the zodiac show which is that killers are always as smart as they are retarded and he's the perfect although he's not a whole lot of smart at all uh he does manage to (laughs) put everything together he does succeed in his goal even if he's captured immediately following because he has this idea uh, or this this vibe of invincibility about him like i pulled it off i did all that we're gonna go on we're gonna go on a trip i'm gonna bring them to another family to terrify the family and then i'm gonna kill that family and he makes the fatal mistake of walking into a coffee shop uh dressed like a uh, a golfer who's just in a car wreck uh, blood and sweat all over his body and uh, feeding himself. So didn't quite work out. He thwarted his own plans uh, with appetite. Look at the German police, excuse me, Austrian police. Look at how ridiculous <laughs> they look. Imagine wearing a full-blown suit and one of those hats to go stop a, a killer. Dude, when I live in the UK and you see police walking around with those tall hats, it's like a tall, like circular, like very goofy hat. 
It's like, mm-hmm. how am I supposed to fucking respect you? How, how am I supposed to look at you with a, so like a, a authority? Yeah. Goofy. The gas station attendants uh, had a good outfit, though. You see that man in yellow with with the rents. Yeah, 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 that was good. <laughs> I will say yeah, I, the 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 fashion in this movie was very fashion forward for 1983. A lot of Americans would start dressing in this way in the late 80s. But I noticed that with the woman in the house, not the old woman, not not cake face woman, uh, but yeah. the younger woman, uh, she does Glasses. get the brunt of the violence in this movie because what he he dunks. The retarded man's head under the water, who's only supposed to be like 25 years old, by the way. Uh, Doesn't look 25, no. He takes him out that way, and that seems fairly difficult. He accidentally kills uh, the older woman where he's wanting to keep her alive so she can watch him kill the son. So she can be horrified and see how terrible life is before he takes her her life and then he starts feeding her dead body pills so she can feel better or whatever and then he's like he's got the she can wake up yeah (laughs) yes and then he's got the the last one left over the girl and she doesn't seem to make any smart plays at all as a matter of fact she seems to either be into it or she's trying to woo him by giving him kisses and whatnot and seem unprompted and not of his interest Although maybe maybe once she she gets lopped off, it is of interest. I don't know. You you know you can't control your own body or excitement from time to time. Sometimes <laughs> you see a beautiful woman, well, you lose it, he, right? He does wake up with his pants down, right? Yeah, he, after he, he's he fucked, done killing her. Yeah, he fucked. So her. W- so we don't see any of the coitus. Like we see him kissing her after he like stabs her a bunch of times. It's like a weird. Or is it like, coitus if only one of the parties is alive? Well, you call it rape? <laughs> I guess postmortem rape. Yeah, it's defiling. He uh, he slobbers all over her neck when after he stabs her because he's like he's trying. He, yeah, he's neck. in a very vampiric mood. He tries to suck he's her met, blood, and then it makes him sick. In, he makes out with her hole on her neck, and then he wakes up with no with like her pants. His pants down. Uh, and he's like, oh, did I do that? Did I do that? Like, purple? <laughs> he's, like, oh, he's like, oh, did I do this? <laughs> he wakes up with a, a zombie under him with his pants down. And he's like, well, I guess I have to, you know, pretend like or like make it look like. No, well, no, he's, he gets the bodies in the trunk, right? Three bodies. Yeah. And he struggles. He, he struggles with it, too. Yeah. He, yeah. he decides he's going to put the entire family together in the trunk. It's very uh, thoughtful, you know? And the, well, that's the only reason why he gets caught, too. If he had just left them there, we're talking about 1983, they would have never gotten him, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, well, yeah. you know, he was out early. So here, here's the thing. And this is, I don't know if they mentioned this in the film, but in my research, Werner Niesick was uh, 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 allowed out to go find a job before he was released from prison. So they gave him three days where he could go look around find a job, set himself up so he's not just fucked when he gets out of prison. Um, and that's when he committed these acts. And then they had to rethink their entire system. Like, oh, fuck, we can't really do this. I said, listen, guy who just robbed a bank and didn't hurt anybody. I'm, I hate to tell you this, but we're we're going to have to pull those those extra days out of prison. Uh, he really fucked, fucked things up. I'm pretty sure he's still alive, Warner 
Nisic. He was a young man at the time. He was only about 25, 26 years old, maybe. Uh, so Isn't that what happened with the, the New York shooter, too? You know, the what, guy that was shut up a uh, subway. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk basket. about that. We didn't talk about that. That was that was the same line that I, I, I was on. Listen, I was on the same track when that guy did what he did. Now, have you watched his YouTube channel? I've seen some of it. I think they they uh, they removed all the videos now because I guess he's invest being investigated. So I don't think they're up anymore. But I listened to a couple of shows where they archived videos and uh yeah he was he was like a like an anti-white like a like a very i don't want to say hotep no like that's exactly black, what it was Israelite, no, it's black, literally like type of guy yeah. yeah but no that's exactly what it was because i mean listen yeah he was racist against white people but he was also very he was a lot of uh you know whatever you hear from like bill cosby about the black community it's like this is yeah. what's wrong Look at him committing violence. See, this is this is why people have this perception of us as a dangerous people. And then, yeah. of course, he commits the most heinous of actions. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm just going to educate everyone by shooting, what, 13 people in the subway? No one died, so I guess maybe that's why it is. Or not maybe that not big then. All right, good. For, I, see, I wasn't under that impression. I heard 10 people died and 33 people were uh, injured. But then someone told oh, me oh. nobody died. There was a lot of misinformation going around about this. Yeah. And I, I also saw something that the FBI knew something about this guy because he stayed in a hotel in Massachusetts and they confiscated a bunch of guns. But that, that guy, I thought that guy's name in the article was different than who this fellow turned out to be. Maybe I'm wrong. I, there was a whole lot of mixed information I saw. And yeah. goddamn, it was a real motherfucker trying to get home from Manhattan because I, <laughs> I had a shoot where I was directing a commercial and I tried to get home. Now, listen, I'm taking the ferry. Oh, well, now all of a sudden it's a two-hour, 40-minute wait for the ferry. And there's a line around the block because no one wants to take the subway. Oh, yeah. Terrific. Well, That's great. Can't blame him. I mean, he wasn't just dirty and shitty before, but now you might get shot. So it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, not, uh, not, not a good place to be, New York or the New York City subway. Frank James is his name, uh, and apparently he did a rant on YouTube saying that the mental health system had failed him. Uh, so in the video I watched, which was the I, I believe it was the latest video he had uploaded, he was like, "Listen, I get some thoughts now and again that I just want to kill everybody around me, but I don't <laughs> let that overwhelm me because I know it ain't worth it in the end." And then they catch him. He's got that smug Uncle Ruckus face with one of his eyes all fucking big, looking like a cue ball, and the other eyes shrunk. Yeah. What the fuck is that? <laughs> See, this, I mean, this is not even like a black thing. If you look up Takashi Kitano, although one of his eyes is not big. That's, this is something you notice with, like, older black people. Is one eye will get big. The other will start to squint up. With Asian people, with white people, one eye will stay the same, and then the other eye will, especially Asian people, will squint so More? if you look up, yes, <laughs> look up Takashi Kitano real quick. Takashi Kitano, twenty twenty two or something. Oh my god! This what is a phenomenon. Fuck? All right, let's take a look. What the? Fuck? What happened? <laughs> there you go. All right, that's one example. Now check out Choi Min Sik. Choi Min Sik is, is that... man from Old Boy. He has the same thing what going is... on. Is that plastic surgery going wrong or in his case plastic? it looks like it, yes. Because he looks like uh 
um, Mason from Hannibal. Just mention Hannibal oh, again. Mason you know, where it's just yeah. like he, he, his face was eaten uh, years ago. What's the other name that you asked me? Uh, Choi Min Sick with a K. K. K at the end of Sick. There you go. You got it. Well, that that's a that's from twenty twenty oh three or so. Oh, what? That's a white man. <laughs> that's a that's just well, an Italian middle aged man. Yeah, you're going to be able to tell with glasses and a fucking faraway <laughs> shot of him. You know what? Look, my point's been proven with Takashi, I think. Although, <laughs> there's an asterisk because of the surgery. This is just something I notice. That's all. There it is. Is that... I mean, why are they all so, like, pink? <laughs> you're supposed to be yellow. <laughs> I can't I don't like that you left. racial issue. <laughs> <laughs> just left me hang myself with the fact that he looks pink yeah uh, he looks very pink though that's well not, he's old that's here like he's like 60 that's... something years old now i mean when is this from 2022 this is from this year yeah i think well that Maybe. explains it hold Korean on <gasps> they're do they're remaking goodwill hunting with with joyman sick is matt damon i guess that's Korea fucking Herald. crazy click this hold on we got to read more about this this is a total Total Korean move. Didn't they just remake What February Women 20. Want? Wow, this is February. exciting stuff. Finally, a sequel to Goodwill Hunting. Inner Prime. Ah. Promoted as the Korean version of Ghostbed Sandsmark Goodwill Hunting. Uh, oh, hold on a second. Is that... Wait a minute. Are they doing the thing where it's like we're pitching a movie and it's Ghostbusters meets Parasite? It's Robin Williams. Uh... No, finding out about him, the movie. All right, all right. Let's look up in our prime real quick. All right. You were looking into Ava DuVernay? Yes, because uh, my girlfriend mentioned she was going through DMZ on HBO Max. She was like, what is this? So I, I was like, oh, I, this are, it's based on a comic book series that I used to read. It was really good. And then I was like, hold on, let me see who directed it. And it's... Uh, it's this lady who I don't yeah. think it's very good. So I was like, no. it's probably going to be bad. <laughs> she directed the pilot and produced the whole thing. But uh, yeah, so I guess Ji Woo, outcast in the prestigious private high school. I've never seen Goodwill Hunting, so I don't know if this is similar. I'm in Goodwill Hunting, but I'm a spec. Right. I'm a little boy at the time. A little, you're a little boy. <laughs> yeah. Do I you show as... up on screen? No. 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 Oh, but I was, right. I was, I was there for. Uh, a day of shooting when they were doing the basketball fight, basketball court fight with my mom. Know, it. Yeah, it's but a good movie. It's... Gus Van Sant's kind of overrated, though. Do you like any of his films? Yeah. A lot of people love love to uh, drone on and on about My Private Idaho because they get boned up for River Phoenix and Keanu and bra- bracing on the, on the motor. Like, oh, it's so romantic. I don't even know what that is. Pedophiles. It was just Gus Van Sant lusting over children. Uh, well, he did milk. The oh, only thing I, I know, the only thing I know, is that he did this remake, right? This completely unnecessary remake with. A, yeah, with, uh, listen, I that's one of I I don't I don't mind it's, the psycho remake to be honest with you. It's I, fine. It, yeah, it's but, fine. I'll agree, it's pointless. But I mean, I mean, I don't know how many how many films are really necessary films to begin with. It's just so Fair forgettable. Enough. You forget that they remade Psycho. Yeah. Especially on like, and I remember the, the marketing when that movie was coming out and you saw like the woman in the shower holding the, with their bloody hands on the glass or whatever. I remember seeing billboards of that in Boston when I was a kid. 
but people people just erased it from their memories. Elephant's all right, but it's nothing so what is, compared to Alan what is Clark's. His, what is his thing? Like, why is he a name? <laughs> what is his most famous movie? Elephant? No, it's probably Goodwill Hunting or or uh, My Private Idaho. Well, that, I guess that one won a couple Oscars, right? So yeah, that so. movie made Ben Affleck and Matt Damon stars. And Kevin Smith, I think, was a producer on that movie. Mm. Uh, Milk, who was a nominee for an Oscar. That movie mm-hmm. sucks, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, he's. I don't. I don't think he's done anything really of note since elephant which was i believe it's very like like what do you think is his style like i don't think he's like someone that you can you can be like oh this is a fucking gospel and sand movie you know it's just oh that name sounds uh familiar but if you look at his actual track record it's like oh you've directed like six movies and out of that you know well he doesn't he doesn't have one particular style about him it's a lot of Hmm. How would I put it? it? It's kind of Richard Linklater e if Richard Linklater yeah. if if Richard Linklater <laughs> came from like Portland, Oregon, and was a gay man. Oh, is that what? Well, he's from Kentucky, apparently. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that's the vibe. I, I said that's not. He doesn't have the vibe of his home. Do you have a, a Costa Rican vibe about you, Hans? I don't know if no. you do or don't. I haven't been to Costa Rica, but I wouldn't say God, off damn. the top of my head. Hans, what would I think of? Well, I mean, look, it's a recurring joke, so this isn't even like a good comparison. Yeah, <laughs> I hope not, but yeah, maybe. I don't know. No one's ever told me that, and I hope that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to whitewash my entire life. For, for, How about this? How about I, this? I've got <laughs> We've got a show with Jacob A. Miller coming up where we're going to do the Sixth Sense. Would you say that Jacob A. Miller has has a Boston vibe to him? Uh, when he's in Boston, yes. No, he doesn't even when he's in Boston. He he has like a rural New Hampshire, Maine kind of vibe about him. Oh, yeah, I guess his accent is not that. I mean, I only know one person that's like that Boston, which is the friend that you haven't met still. Because yeah. he talks like a person from Boston, you know. You guys don't like you used to, but you've I been able to. to mask it with the with you know with the years of doing this show and any other show you've done, where now you don't really have an accent, yeah, or at I least know. I don't really notice it that much. Uh, so I guess yeah, Jake's a lot of people think I've got a uh, New York accent. No, they don't. Yeah, yeah, they do. No one said that. Who said I've gotten that? that quite a few times, actually. Name them. Name, <laughs> name them right now. <laughs> it's just my friend who goes to another school. That's all. Hey, hey, this is movies. Is that is that, is that who you are? <laughs> this is a podcast about the act of mwah, cinema. That's that's you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's not Boston. I guess. No, I not. guess Gus Van Sant doesn't have a Kentucky feel to him. I guess. I guess. No, he does not. He's got a. Ve- he's got a very. I'm a poet. I go to the cafe and write my scripts. Kind of vibe. Very Soderbergh type of writing of like very. I've been rich forever, so I don't know how regular people talk. So everyone's just gonna talk like my rich friends talk. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Poor uh, people are going to find say, it interesting. What, what would you say Gerald Cargyle's vibe is? Who's that? That's the director of this movie, Angst. Oh, uh, 
That's his name? That doesn't sound very German. It's uh, Austrian. Well, I don't know. That's why. I'm, that's why. Right. I used to... I had a... <sighs> I was such a shithead. I hate thinking back of, of like when I was a shithead for no reason because I had a, a, a classmate in film school. She was from Austria and, and she was very sensitive to any mention of Hitler, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what would 27-year-old Hans do? Every time you, he would see her, just be like, what's up, Hitler? Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's just like, uh, like <clears throat> just thinking back of like, yeah, there's no, no big difference there unless you're trying to offend someone for something that had nothing to, <laughs> yeah. nothing to do with them at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think Angst is a very interesting movie that if you're interested in, in movie making, it's a very interesting watch. Uh, I don't know if you're just like a casual movie watcher, if this will keep you interested for the entire of the movie. Because uh, it is kind of slow at times when he's just pontificating. You think himself, it's slow? I, I I feel like until the until the violence start or until he actually commits violence, uh, it's a lot of just him being autistic in public. Uh, so it's I, I didn't mind it, but I can see how someone could be bored by it because it's a lot of just him narrating. There's not a lot of interaction between him and anyone else, uh, and it's a lot of just the camera letting you get to know this character without a lot of things happening to him. So it could be a, maybe not a very accessible movie if you're not in. Oh, I don't, I don't think it's accessible at all, but here's the thing. I never found it slow. I think, and there's certainly a lot of scenes where you're right. The the director lets everything breathe, but because he's so manic, because that, Mm -hmm. that, that character, the psychopath is so manic and in a frenzy and just constantly moving so quick. And, And the camera's, often moving with him it's all like a tracking shot and it's a very clumsy kind of dirty tracking shot where you'll notice like especially where it's clear that he's wearing a vest and there's a camera that's probably and he's running um but also even not during those sequences when we're just following him and there's a lot of like high up kind of tilted downward shots you don't often see in films because I mean, it's it's complicated to get that, and it's also not the most flattering angle to get on actors, where you're you're coming at them from a more of a bird's eye position, I guess. Um, kind of drone looking, but obviously, yeah. in '83, like right, impossible. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what you'll notice, especially when he's like going through the house, is that with each step he takes, the camera's shaking. Yeah. The camera's shaking a whole lot in this movie. They did not have a steady cam to mm-hmm. even out the shots. So everything that we're following is kind of jilted. It's a little messy. It's a little, it's a little I shaky. Um, and when he's running, that's when you're going to get it the most. And it matches with every single step taken. Right. But I think because we are interested in that story, it's easier. I don't think the regular moviegoer or movie-watching person would sit for two hours to watch a guy just convince himself that what he's doing is kind of not that bad you know he's like i have this urge so i have to do this thing uh you know i I feel like that's that's the point where it would be kind of well obviously not accessible but also kind of difficult to get through if you're not in the mentality of like this is an interestingly shot movie and i want to see this performance and i want to see what happens 
uh, I can I can see someone getting very put off by by the presentation of it, you know, because it's so unconventional to what we're used to watching, especially in this side of the world, you know, where the experimentation with cameras maybe um, <clears throat> lately because of how easy it is to access a fucking camera, then uh, it's it's become more of a thing. But back in those days, back in '83, uh, something that was shot like this in a narrative way is not something that you would see i don't i don't think or unless i'm completely ignorant about about movies that are kind of like this from around this time uh, maniac maybe but maniac doesn't even like present the character like this one you know so uh if you're just like in a like an american well no, I, I don't even want to shit in american people because you know you, number one you're american you know a lot about other different types of movie and movie making but also uh i feel like if you're you know, uh, a mainstream like a uh, uh, blockbuster watching person that loves action movies, or or if you were going to watch a serial killer movie, is going to need a lot of violence or a lot of jump scares and things like that. This is not it. Like, there's not one jump scare in the whole movie. I don't think there's not. I don't think nothing even happens. That's not at true. Night. When he gets in there and he runs into the handicapped guy who goes paw paw. That is the closest thing to a jump scare I saw in this movie. Because his head just comes out of nowhere. Just put yourself in that situation. You're just like, ah, I don't know how to deal with this. Uh, but, but like, everything happens during the day, right? So nothing is dark. Nothing is like, we're going to play with the shadows here and present it a little uh, creepier. No, everything happens at, like, 2 p.m. in the afternoon when the, the light's out and, like, ev- everyone's supposed to be, like, busy with their life and, like, uh, uh, so that's why I feel like maybe you know it's not well, like you said, it's not a, definitely not accessible. But I feel like you kind of have to be in the mood to watch something like this uh, because it's such a internal conflict of the character for most of the movie that it could become boring. I think if if your attention span is not there, but certainly I, I, I think that that argument could be made about most films, though. So I, but I mean, I think that the big thing that is a, a tremendous takeaway with this movie that I, I think that point would certainly be more hammered home if this was a two hour movie and you had to okay. endure that style. But yeah. this movie is only this movie is barely an hour. I think it's like an hour and 10 minutes or an hour and 12 minutes. It's extremely short compared to most features. It can't be more than an hour and 20. Um, One twenty. I saw like five yeah, different runtimes for this movie when I re- researched it. I saw an hour 14. That's I saw an hour 17, an hour versions. 25. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe there's a version that's cut. What, the, what I wound up watching was on Tubi. How did you watch this film? I downloaded it. I couldn't find it in Tubi because I live in Costa Rica. <laughs> oh, right. So I guess they blocked it. Yeah, I couldn't watch it. Yeah, but, but you, you get Nightwalk on HBO Max. So that's the benefit yeah. of Costa Rica. Gives and takes. I don't even think I get Batman yet, but I got Nightwalk, so that's cool. No, you don't have to get Batman. You got Mickey Rourke and Sean Stone. Uh, Nazi Mickey Rourke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, so, yeah, this movie is, uh, I mean, it's, it's out there. It's available to watch if you're, at least in the United States, or if you want to use your VPN and use yeah. 2B America. If you live outside the States, you go to surfshark.deals. Yeah. I'm pretty sure no one has signed up for Surfshark since we started promoting them. <laughs> I feel like I would have gotten a check by now. But then again, you know, they like to say, oh, if you cross a certain threshold, then we'll send the check. Surfshark.deal slash Laura. So that would be nice. That would be a nice surprise is to get a check from Surfshark. They haven't said a damn word to me since since that last email. 
We might be plugging nothing right now. I think so. That link might be expired at this point. I don't know if it still works. Let's find out. We'll find out if it works and uh, sign up for them. Get 83% off for an annual subscription, and you will be able to watch this movie on American Tubi. What's a good good partner film to this? Hey, there he is again. American Psycho? No, I I think American Psycho is a little too... Well, you know, they share the narration aspect. Yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is a crazy guy that has, is convincing himself that his reality is true, I guess. So, yeah, I don't know. Most most serial killer stories are not really told from their point of view. So it's it's difficult to think of one. You, you mentioned Henry at the beginning. Uh, so maybe that one. But I don't know why I thought, you know, Christian Vell convincing himself that he's like a cool guy or whatever kind of goes with this if you if you americanize a uh, uh, european movie american psycho could be the american angst you know you know what yeah the more i think about that the more that does seem correct because it's also same period of time approximately it takes place anyway mm-hmm. it is the 1980s and you have a similar uh, cognitive dissonance with with these two characters although patrick bateman by the end of that movie we don't even know if he's really a killer now, this yeah. guy well, this guy somehow accomplished every goal he set out on. So, you know, believe in yourself. Regardless of whatever handicaps you may have, you may overcome adversity and uh, yeah. fulfill your dreams. Yeah, you might be able to kill someone after six hours of trying. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can just tie someone to a doorknob and it can it can work out for you. Maybe she'll start yeah. ki- Maybe she'll fall in love with you. Maybe she'll start kissing you like this woman does. <laughs> It was a love story. Yeah. She she initiated it with the kissing, and then he finished it by uh, defiling her Kiss, dead body. Kissing her? Yes, kissing he her back. Her, her they exchanged body. fluids. <laughs> yeah. They were in He's love. Like, hold on. I'm too autistic to kiss you while you're still alive, so let me kill you <laughs> first. And then I'll slobber your neck after I slash the... Can we just... This, is, this might get us clipped on YouTube, but fuck it. Can we go to the scene where... She looks dead for real. So here's the thing. It's after he kills her. He's stabbing her. And I'm like, oh, the dog's going after after. him. What a good, yeah, the morning after look. When you regret that that lady that you shouldn't have uh, gotten involved with. Um, He's stabbing her to death. And the little dog is going after him like a good good dog. No, not yet. She's still alive here. No, it's when he wakes up the next morning. Oh, this dog. I was just stressing the entire time. I was like, yeah, oh, waiting I was just... for this little kid. By the way, hold on. This is a great shot of the dog. It's like a very angelic, <laughs> early morning, romantic filter hue of the dog just hanging out. There you go. This dog is the real star, the lone survivor. There. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very waxy looking face, but <laughs> that's how he wakes up. Um, yeah. Oh, I th- good morning, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> How was your evening? Um, my pants, but like, see, but like, the pants are down, but her skirt is not down. So I'm wondering if he just like rubbed his his dick on on her denim skirt. And, and are you sure about that? It. Oh no, those are her shoes. Oh, see, yeah. I mean, is that her shoes or her underwear? I don't know. No, that's just her uh, those shoes. are her shoes. He does have a moment later on where he's cleaning up, where he's pulling the bodies out, and then he gets so excited, he has to start rubbing himself. Or he just gets all frothed up from from the moment, from realizing what he's done. So yeah, 
<clears throat> That's the face of a winner. <laughs> this movie's very good. Um, I would say tonally and stylistically the closest thing to this in uh, uh, American film anyway would probably be Henry Portrait of a Killer, but I definitely feel like there's some maniac vibes with it as well. Yeah. That's 19, early 1980s. That came a couple of years before this. But um, as far as you're, you know, you're trying to match true crime, I do think Henry is probably the way to go. I feel like there's a British film that has a similar vibe to this that just is not coming to mind at the moment. Maybe I'll think of that before the show wraps tonight. But uh, what is your what was your overall takeaway on Angst? Uh, great. Uh, I, I I thought he was funnier the second time. Oh, I kept laughing laughing hysterically throughout the film. I was yeah. I was like Robert De Niro in Cape Fear at certain points. Mainly when it was him dealing with the retarded guy. Yeah, that, that they cast like they just said like give the most simplistic two D version of a retarded man you can possibly muster. So he thinks he's his father who walked out on the family a number of years before and who could blame him seeing these freaks uh you know it also in real life this is one thing that does differ so in addition to a cat getting killed and a dog surviving there was also a sister who was not home at the time she went out moments before uh the murders took place so that that was a that was a thing there's an opportunity for a sequel how about that where she gets her <laughs> revenge it's a spit on your grave. A spit on my mom's grave who was killed by you. <laughs> spit on I'm my mom. To, yeah. I was trying to find the moment where he finds the retarded man in a wheelchair. Uh, I just, I, I got to hear paw paw. His paw paw. That's really what made uh, his character for me. But also, this actor, I mean, this actor is not famous at all, but this actor would go on to play. Speaking of Nazis before, he plays a Nazi in Schindler's List, and he does have that good, evil Nazi look. Yeah. So, so I, he should have been in The Keep, was my thing. That would have been prime time for this fella. But Schindler's List, none too shabby. Thing. Went on to work with Spielberg after this. Where the fuck does this happen? I can't find it. It's right when he, he gets into the house. So, so no, this is... This is uh, no, it was it's before everybody comes home, because... <clears throat> They leave the son home alone, and he decides not to kill him. He's going to save him. Here? I was sure someone lived in here. Meine Opfer. Ich hatte Angst. Papa. Oh, man. He's wearing a suit jacket, too, or like a full suit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a 25-year-old man, remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you like the different kinds of drool, drool that were all over his face? You had, like, classic... Different color. <laughs> you had classic different transparent color. drool, some white drool. I think there was some brown drool in there, so maybe that's old. Um. Yeah. What a guy. Papa. <laughs> it's old. Much older than him. <laughs> oh boy! So Angst is a is a very enjoyable film. Um, I'm glad we did wind up talking about it. We're gonna have to close out the show in a moment. Uh, do you want to just give your plugs? We're gonna be talking about the Sixth Sense on the next episode. So that's another horror film. 
Uh, something to sit yeah. down and enjoy with your kids, maybe, uh, is angst in the sixth sense. It is a good uh, family double feature. I was shown angst when I was only seven years old. I, it was a laugh riot. Yeah, my grandma showed it to me. She was, she was, she was <laughs> getting killed. And she said, hey, I acted in this movie. She was the, She's the like, old hey, one. It's your you German like her heritage. Makeup? Yeah. Your name is hey, Hans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Go watch it. I think it's uh, it was, it's very enjoyable in your, if you're into that type of movie. Uh, and it's also so interestingly shot that... That's the uh, biggest highlight, I think, for me, is, is yeah. the, the shooting style of the movie. Because I, I, I do think it would work just fine if it was a more conventional, uh, static shot style of filmmaking uh, that accompanied this. But the fact that you have all that and it's so like jagged like another shot that just came to mind is when he's being released from prison and we're panning down and it just it's like it's almost like he dropped the camera he just slammed the camera down or something and it's crooked that like the shot is messed up and you only have like the tips of people's heads in the frame as they're walking like he maybe intended it to go lower but this was just like the most optimal looking shot i don't know there's a lot of clumsiness and it, it reminds me also of um when we we're talking about tokyo vice the pilot of tokyo vice how so much of that Tokyo Vice pilot is unpolished and feels like real filmmaking uh, in its errors with yeah. Michael Mann uh, deciding, all right, well, I'm just going to crank up the general room tone to an obnoxious degree. And you're going to hear people that sound like we're capturing their audio with the camera instead of microphones that are that far away. Ansel Elgort is going to be close up. He's going to be the cleanest. And things like things of that matter, or, or even how that's been that was shot and it was kind of messed up with the pan, reminded me a lot here. See, old old method of film, old style of filmmaking it doesn't have to be a perfect shot. It doesn't have to be the smoothest shot, and it can still be rich with life. Purposeful, yeah. This, this is the shot you're talking about. Uh, I, I'm talking about all the shots, but yeah, this is this. Uh, no, no, this this particular shot, I'm not. This is a very smooth shot, but this was shot. Uh, do you have this in slow motion or something, or is this just how no, it was done? It's just how it's or maybe my connection's bad. I don't know. So you have all this, oh, but no, okay. it's when the guard is accompanying him out of the prison, uh, and we're okay. getting like a shot, I think, through the the gate. So uh, we don't have to necessarily pull it up. To. Yeah, I forget that I have to optimize video clips. Mm -hmm. That's no, my bad. No, uh, you're, but yeah, you're fine. It played. <clears throat> I think it played normal enough. Uh, it's yeah. it's also very interesting to hear that the director was like a like this. At no point it feels like a director with uh, documentary sensibilities, you know. Because even though it feels like a true story that's being told, it doesn't feel like a documentary at all because it's such a you know his point of view that mm -hmm. uh, I'm surprised that he didn't do any other narrative after this. Uh, well, enough of his <laughs> story. How about her story? who's wearing carnival of souls makeup i hope you get that reference someone yeah. got that reference yes i've seen carnival <laughs> Soul. <laughs> okay i right. it, it, i uh, think there is something interesting about the fact that this guy only directed one narrative feature and i feel that way uh, similarly about somebody like jonathan glazer who's only directed three feature films where and I, I, maybe just in the case that there is a style to it and there are unique creative choices that were made to suit this feature. And then he decided, all right, I'm good. 
just with with the one. I I, I think that's um, kind of a fascinating notion. It's very different. Uh, I I would be curious to see what his documentaries are are like, or even about what the subject matter of those might be. Well, maybe the fact that this movie was banned, like you said, right, probably put him off completely from making narrative movies because that might feel like yeah. a. It feels like a. a, a I don't want to say like a very um, uh, like internal, like, like passion project, but you can tell that, that there's a lot of thought put into the shots and there's a lot of thought of put into where the camera goes and what we're going to show on every shot. And I can imagine how, how exhausting or, or demoralizing it would be for you to put all of that effort into a movie looking good. And then it's banned because of reasons that have nothing to do with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh so maybe that's what I don't know. I mean, also Austria in 1980s. I don't know what their cinema was like, but I can't imagine that it was. You know, this is probably the biggest make, movie making, in, in the history of Austria. International. It wasn't like making making billionaires, you know, or millionaires at all. Yeah. So it's just, you know, it's a a different. Uh, uh, it feels like a different lifetime, really, as to as to how I want to say easy. Uh, quote unquote equipment wise it is to make movies now uh, so so maybe that, that played a part of that you know I'm gonna try my my hand at a narrative movie and then it gets fucking banned and people are freaking out about it so why try again yeah I, I don't think this became a known entity of film until it got released in France and they retitled it so it was I, I don't know how long it was banned in Europe for but it was for enough stretch of a time where I think it might have completely just buried the the film entirely. And it was around the time where movies like Roar were getting rediscovered. There were, uh, you, you know, distributors that were putting these older, obscure films into theaters who hadn't, uh, you know, gotten their due uh, back in the early years of the last decade, like 2011, 2012, 2013. Alamo Drafthouse did that. A couple of different uh, venues wound up doing that. Roar's just the one, the big one that comes to mind because nobody even heard about that film really, in any conventional sense anyway, up until that got a release. And I believe Angst is one of those movies where uh, it got a theatrical run at some of the more niche cinemas in the United States, places like the Brattle or um, you know, probably uh, the Metrograph spots like that uh, giving it its, its, its proper screening that it's deserved for 30 40 years now there's a oh it's sold out there's a vinegar syndrome version blu-ray oh it, really damn i would have loved to pick that up i didn't know uh tangerine dream did the music for it apparently. i don't believe they did it says here scored by kraut rock synth god plus schultz tangerine dream okay so one of the guys from tangerine dream which yeah I, you know what I did like, and this is this is something I just forgot, is that that like loop, that little beat that comes into effect, where it's almost like Beverly Hills Cop when he starts running or something, like that <laughs> that repeated synth beat that comes in at certain times, just like all right, we got to go back to that. That's the theme song. That's our character's theme. That's him in his head operating, trying to maneuver to the next step, and it doesn't fit what's happening in the movie it doesn't fit his character at all yeah but uh it's repeated about four or five times throughout the film and uh, it's always at like a moment of pressure or something apparently uh gaspar noe 
said that he's watched the movie like 40 times is one of his biggest influences. Which I think you can see that, that you... too. Yeah. 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 With a with a movie like Enter the Void or... Uh, uh, What's God. the dancing one? Uh, oh, Climax. Yeah. That one. The, all of those shots, like all of those from above shots. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like That's this. a good call. In reverse. I mean, yeah. you, you get a taste of that in every single one of his films where... Uh, a lot of his movies just take place in a night, you know, over a couple yeah. of hours in a night. It's all playing out in real time. That's something mm-hmm. you get with this movie. And um, I, it's very easy to see the influence there. Are you interested at all in his new film with, with Dario Argento as a star? Vortex? Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. It but looks yeah, like... I, like, I, like, I like weird directors like that. There's a, there's a $28 Blu-ray for angst on Amazon, on Amazon. In case it looks like the same Blu-ray that that uh, that one's not. I don't believe that's Vinegar Syndrome. Maybe it was one of their sister distributors or something. I don't know. Uh, I, I I do tend on uh, purchasing it at some point. I'm not really in uh, one of those spirals where I'm purchasing a lot of physical media. Right now. <laughs> I don't want to kick that off either. I got other things yeah. I got to worry about financially for the time being. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Vortex is. Uh, Jasper Noe's latest film is coming out very soon, and it has a vibe about it that's much more um, amour. If you remember that okay. film from from a couple of years yeah. ago, it was a Best Picture nominee, even though it was foreign, which was kind of rare at the time. Now it's not so rare. Now they love to throw in uh, a couple foreign films each time there's a Best Picture nomination. Um, it's about two old people with dementia. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Just yeah. because I know of his visual style, I don't think that story would interest me at all if it wasn't someone with a distinctive, you know, visual style that likes to push boundaries. I agree, and I kind of wish I had gotten that state lottery out a year sooner because he took the fucking gimmick of we're going to do split screen with little uh, sixteen millimeter. Uh, yeah, he did that, so I was too I slow. That's all right. <laughs> if you go watch the trailer to Mass State Lottery, you'll see that I was not inspired by. By old Jasper there. Uh, okay. Gaspar. Excuse um, me. He, yeah, I was about to say he's French, so he'd probably be very yeah, mad. Very Jasper. <laughs> old Jasper. Jasper, no. <laughs> how, do you say his, how do you say his last name? That's something I feel like I fuck up all the time. No way. No Gaspar, way. no way. Yeah, I say yeah. Ja- I've said Jasper No so many times. I know you're just Jasper that Noel. Joke, literally said that <laughs> most of my life. Uh, and you have the little accent at the end of the E. Yeah. No way. Yeah. They played the trailer life. to that, I think, right before whatever I caught recently in theaters. Oh, oh Father Stu. No, I don't think they played <laughs> Vortex in front of Father Stu. Maybe what? I don't know. I don't remember. Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe I have dementia. Maybe the Wait, next film's like about me. Experimental European movie trailers before Batman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is French fucking uh, auteur. Let's watch his next uh, very intimate movie with three actors mm-hmm. before the Batman movie. <laughs> <coughs> all right. All right. That's been angst. That's been movies. Oh, We're going to check out The Sixth Sense coming up next. And then we got something a little special planned. As we reach 200 episodes. How about oh, yeah. that? This is episode 198. Are you excited? Are you excited about that? After watching it? <laughs> we'll see. Okay. All right.
All right. Well, the there listeners are in for a treat. Your teaser. There's your mm-hmm. teaser for episode 200. Uh, I'm going to be very excited for it. Uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think Laura as well. I don't know if we're going to get any guests for it. Uh, <laughs> we're working on it, but uh, I think it's going to be a lot of me just fighting. Here, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. For episode 200, every single person who has ever been a guest on movies will receive an invitation. However, they have to do their homework before they show up. They have to watch the movies signed. Uh, otherwise, everyone's welcome to join. How many guests have we had now in the history of movies? Uh, probably, oh, let, let me 20? just think off the top of my head as we extend this episode even longer. So it's not just That's an not hour. That's not good. Don't do that. You don't like you'll that? So you'll forget people. they just be like, oh, shit, I should have the first guest. Body. Yeah, the, <laughs> the first guest ever was Jerry. Jerry came in on okay. episode three. And then uh, you and Jake were guests as well. But you were also, you right. filled in for me because I was trying to have this show be more NPR-esque. So I was like, all right, well, it's very important that we meet our weekly, our weekly uh, schedule here. So if I can't do it, then Jake's going to sub in for me as replacement host, uh, guest host. You did that once. You did that a couple of times. You guys were the first three guests. Then I think the first guest that uh, was outside of that was Jeff Holiday. So that's three now. Okay. Then maybe it was like Brandy. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody in there. Nick, Nick Joroff. Right. Jack. Jack. Jack the, the perfume nationalist. Not, Jack. No, no, not him. I'm okay. still hungry, Jack. So that's right. seven. Who Dylan? else we got in there? Remember Dylan? Wasn't Dylan. he in an episode? No, that was no. No. Oh, was he that never before? showed up. He just came back to Twitter, Dylan. I don't know if you saw his uh Twitter account. He's back. Okay. No, that was before. No. That was be- the the time before. Damn, I'm really forget. All right, let's just throw in Robbie, Nick, okay, uh, Dalton, Dalton, ten, yeah. Jake, uh, and then you have eleven, Brandon, Brand- Anthony, Brand- Brandon, 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 Brandon and Ant- yeah, you Lawrence. you called him Brand- Brandon to his oh, face multiple voice. times too. It's Always. like his fourth time on he the show. He can deal with it. He's port. He's Portuguese. Shouldn't even call Brandon. Fuck you. Should we call like Brandinho or something? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's thirteen. Uh, we got. Uh, um, oh no! That, that, we could cheat right now and just pull it, I, all the ep- cowboy. The midnight movie cowboys episode never came out. Oh yeah, well we had Hunter. But we still had. We that's had fourteen. A couple times, right? Austin Wright. That's fifteen. Uh, Tim Stavers. Tim Stavers, sixteen. Uh, uh, can't, can't, no, Kenny. Kenny. That's seventeen. Have we? Oh, yeah. yeah, you had it for the Will Smith thing, yeah. He was on for, uh, when we were talking uh, about Jackass, and when we were citing what to right. anticipate with Jackass forever, uh, he was originally Spencer? on for that one. Spencer, yes. Spencer's Frank one of the Austin. top. Frank Austin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, William Kyle Girardi. Yeah. 20. That's an even 20 now. See, we don't Christopher, get... Christopher Cleese or Flex Machine? Yeah. Clessy. Okay, 21. Uh, Christopher uh, Christopher Stuckman as well, twenty two there. Uh, Alex Schultz. Alex Schultz, that's right, twenty three. Um, I'm cheating right now. Uh, You're just going down the list now on iTunes. Oh yeah, Oki. Uh, we had Oki, Kino, Kino. That's thirty. Uh, uh, it's, well, 
Jacob already. Elroy, Elroy, oh no, Brandon Elroy. That, yeah, that was Dakota, Brandon. Dakota? We got Dakota. Dakota Proctor, who's yeah. going to come back on very soon. Uh, that's 31. Egg we have White. A, Egg White, that's right, 32. We have in what? Kid Polaroid, 33. Mario Cuomo, 34. Mario Cuomo, 34. Stun. Stun from uh, Sewer City. That's right. He'll be back on very soon as well. Um, I think that might be it. Comics? Did you have that was that was uh, Spencer in his co-host? Okay, that might be it. Was that Jeff? Oh, G Mac and Cave Moth. G Mac and Cave Moth. What is that? Thirty-six. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, you're gonna forget people that you actually talk to, like on the regular. I know. I talk to on a regular basis. Zombie TV, 37. Right. This is compelling Uh, audio. I'm sure. Trying to figure out while we both cheat, while we both stare at the list here, trying to figure out who's in there that has been named. I'm already on episode 76, so I think I'm pretty much done. uh, All right. So we've done almost 200 episodes now, and it's only been Don Jolly. Oh yeah. R.I.P. Don Jolly. Please come back. Uh, 38, Tate, 39. 39. Also another R. Two people who disappeared completely without a trace. Ashton Tate and Don Jolly. See, that's the benefit of operating under a pseudonym is you can just vanish into thin air and, and people can't really look into what happened. Who was your mystery co-host on The Hate You. Tape? That was you. Oh. <laughs> oh, right. Me, of course. Uh, you got Christoph and Bon Tomahawk. Oh, that's 40. right. I forgot that Christoph, who uh, is the editor over at Clash Books, which is a public Justin, publishing you house. You had Justin Wang? Yeah. You had Justin Wang on his Wow. Show? I forgot. I the big, Probably the biggest guest besides Stuckman. <laughs> that was 29. That was the early days. So 41. we had 40. That's 41. Hold on. You got Casey. That's 42. Casey Estrada. Yes. Yeah. 42. That's uh, it. Uh yeah that's all yeah 42 guests over 200 episodes that's almost uh a quarter so it's not 200 is it 200 episodes that's gonna be 200 soon this is 198 okay nice okay we did 100 episodes in a year <clears throat> that's a lot yeah go to patreon.com slash slow race you <laughs> for the amount of episodes we record each Help month me. Help me quit my job. I hate it. <laughs> I, th- I think we should be having more more patience here. You know, there are, I see how many people do listen. So we need a good, we need a better turnover rate is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Anyway, not to sound ungrateful for those of you who have joined. Yeah, us. thank you. Thank you, but like do better. <laughs> yes. All right. That has been Movies for this week. Thank you for that. And you know what? That kind of sucks to just read off 40 names. Yeah, I don't want to. For fucking yeah, seven minutes, eight minutes, and then be like, all right, that's the end of the show. But that's, I mean, look, we, we got a guest waiting for us right now. Well, I mean, just look forward to the fact that on episode 200, there's going to be 42 people. <laughs> yeah, we got 40, <laughs> 42 guests that will be coming right back. All right. To watch a cinema classic, a cinema treasure. All right. That's for movies for this week. Thank you for listening. Bye, bye.